KG, and this is not safe for network. Get in there, you big boy. Oh, I don't care what you smell. Oh my God, this girl's really turning me on. I, I didn't quite get that. Think it again. Forget I thought it. It's a pressure valve. Won't open unless there's tremendous pressure. Oh no, not the beast! Monta. Not the beast! Monta. Ah! I love my eyes! Monta. Montucky Skies. <laughs> Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing today, Brandon? Doing well. <laughs> <laughs> doing a bunch of truck work, so you're not in a great mood right now. No, I'm in a great mood because the truck work is done. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I guess I guess that would be a good mood. It was just the flat way you said oh, it. <laughs> there's a... Yeah, I ended up... Changing the brakes on my brother's tr- Brent's truck, and then doing a whole bunch of work on my wife's truck. So. But oh, that, it's all done. That was even more work than you told me. You didn't tell me about your brother. Yeah, he even helped me on that full twelve-hour project. Oh, that's nice. Might have been like sixteen without him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, do, do you got any news you want to drop out of the gate? Or I, I have some stuff, but I don't know when I want to drop it necessarily. <laughs> do you have anything? I don't have anything out of the gate. Ah, right, fuck it. We'll just riff. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say, and I'm, I might step up on my soapbox a little bit as I'm one to do, but uh, so the only really big news that I saw was that a singer, and I may be getting her name. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but Zendaya. Is that how you say it? Zendaya? Zendaya? Never heard of it. Uh, Basically, she's in Spider-Man Homecoming, and I think Marvel had to reluctantly admit that she was playing Mary Jane Watson. I think it was supposed to be a surprise in the movie, and I don't know if they're going to change that now, but it it basically came out, so they copped to it. But of course, dude. Okay, so Zendaya is a a, uh, black singer, and... So, of course, the internet is just going fucking crazy with the fact that they casted a black person as a white person, which, I mean, we've gone off about this a lot. Um, some examples would be like Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin or Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, uh, Eldris Alba is Hemdale. These are all ones we've talked about on the show a whole bunch. Yeah. We're totally fine with every pick. <laughs> like, they all knocked it out of the park as far as I'm concerned, even for as shitty as a fantastic film yeah, was. But, uh, Michael B. Jordan was great in that movie. Like, yeah. Like, he was one of the... Like, he didn't have, like, a flat performance like pretty much everybody else did in that movie, I feel like. But... um the internet, of course, is going off, and so we could ride the usual soapbox that we do, but I'm going to appeal to to people who who have a problem with this, and I just want to talk to you directly for a second. Don't so, vote for Trump. <laughs> we could get to that later. But, uh, so it seems like a lot of these people are keeping score, and they've just mentioned all of these examples are, are the five most prominent ones I've been reading lately. There's a few other ones, but I don't really feel like thumbing through all of them because it's just a few other ones. But if you really like, if you're a dick, and I'm gonna say like you're being a bit of a dick if if you have a real problem with this, because first off, she's playing a character from Queens, 
Like most people from Queens are black from what I understand. There's a lot of people of color in Queens. Yeah. So, and there's nothing about Mary Jane that has to be white. That's the thing. But so here's some example of, uh, of basically like white actors who have been cast as minorities in movies. This is just a short list, dude. I could have done a lot on this list, but this is a through K here. <laughs> Noah Ringer is Aang in the last airbender. It's like Asian Casper Van Diem. Who's, uh, played Ringo in starship troopers, Filipino in the book. Oh, Robert Swenson is Bane and Batman and Robin. He's from the Caribbean. Uh, Michael Fassbender is Bane in the Dark Knight Return or Dark Knight Rises. So they've never even made an attempt to cast somebody from the Caribbean. Fassbender. That was Tom Hardy. Or excuse me, Tom Hardy. I'm sorry. I don't know how I got that. I was doing a lot of cut and paste. Must have ran into an idiot. But yeah, yeah. It, same thing. But applies. still, Tom, still <laughs> Tom Hardy is still white. Still white. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Uh, her character was black and wanted. Uh, she is not black. Bob Balaban was playing an Indian doctor from the book and uh, the movie 2010 Space Odyssey. Uh, Kevin Spacey's character was black in the book for Pay It Forward. Benedict Cumberbatch was playing a role that a Latino played who was playing an Indian, which was Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh Rooney Mara was playing Tiger Lily. This is kind of a, a recent one. That's always a Native American character. Like, she was playing that in Pan. Uh, so, in the House of Spirits, the the family that it focuses on are all Latin American. Played by Meryl Streep, Jeremy Irons, Glenn Close, and Winona Ryder. Can Very you, white. Yeah, can you think <laughs> of, like, a wider quartet than those four? <laughs> Uh, Christian Bale and Joe Edgerton and most of the cast in Exodus, Gods and Kings were playing Egyptians, okay? But then how about white people that are just straight up playing other races? Okay, so here's a list like A through I, okay? <laughs> Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's, Al Jolson and the the jazz singer wore blackface in it. Uh, Mike Myers and the Love Gurus playing an Indian. Jake Gyllenhaal is da- uh, Dastin and the Prince of Persia. Uh, I'm assuming was Persian, uh, Lawrence of Olivier, or excuse me, Lawrence Olivier and Othello. He was playing a black character. Catherine Hepburn is Jade Tan and Dragon Seed. Charlton Heston in A Touch of Evil. He was playing a Mexican. Uh, Natalie Wood is Maria in West Side Story. She was playing a Puerto Rican. Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra <laughs> and Cleopatra, <laughs> kind of an Egyptian character, right? Um, but how about white people playing minorities and from real life? Okay, you got Ben Affleck played Tony Mendez in Argo. Jim Sturgis played Jeff Ma, who was really Ben Campbell in Twenty One. Uh, Max Mangella, is that how you say his name? As Divya Norandane, I probably mangled all of those names in the Social Network. Uh, Angelina Jolie is Marine Pearl and a Mighty Heart. This one is bad. I've seen clips of this one before, and I had no idea that she was supposed to be a black person. It okay. Uh, so I just lost my place. Mina Savari was playing a character named Brandy Bosky, who was really Shante Mallard, a black lady, and stuck, and she wore cornrows and stuff in it. It's dude, it's Ooh. bad. It's real bad. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor, we already mentioned. I must have put her twice on the list here. Um, oh, 
I'm sorry. Uh, John Wayne. This is one of the most egregious ones, dude. John Wayne played Genghis Khan in The Conqueror. Yikes. Yeah. What about Johnny Depp in uh, Lone Ranger? Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not, dude? It's endless. And it's sad how many of those are recent that I read, too. Like, you have the list of like classics from the 60s or 50s or whatever, but then like there's a ton, like they're still doing it all the time. And when you hear those complaints, they're a little bit muted. Like when you hear about a black actor like playing a white man, it, people lose their fucking mind. And same with a white woman. It's just like, I, it's ridiculous, dude. Listen to that list. That's <laughs> so much more egregious than like any of those other six. So I'm just saying, get over it. Just get over it, man. But uh, well, even uh, the character in Doctor Strange, played by Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Oh yeah, Asian in the comics, and she's a white lady. So it's not like Marvel's not working on the other side too, which is I'm really not comfortable with, honestly. But it's just I, I just wish people would get over this shit. It's it's ridiculous, like. White people are all over the place. White actors are not having a problem being represented on the screen. You know, it's quite the opposite. So get over yourself. But anyway, um, so I'll lead this into something more sugary, <laughs> syrupy. Uh, so I ran into a weird rabbit hole today. Have you ever heard of the cartoon Super President? No. So this is from 1968. So I don't know if this is supposed to be LBJ a Richard Nixon depiction. I'm guessing LBJ because cartoons usually took about a year to make back in those days, right? I think something like yeah. that. But super president. So this is from Wikipedia here. The American president, James Norcross, uh, voiced by Paul Fries, is giving superpowers as a result of a cosmic storm. The president now has increased strength and a metamorpho-like ability to change his molecular composition at will from anything required like granite, steel, ozone, water, or electricity. A hidden panel in the Oval Office allows him access to his secret base, a hidden cave beneath the presidential mansion. (laughs) I love that there's a a bat cave under the presidential (laughs) mansion. There should be. The super cave travels either by uh, super president travels either by using a futuristic automobile slash aircraft slash submarine called the Omnicar, or by using jets built into his belt. <laughs> now, I think they're really going off LBJ because LBJ, I believe, had an amphibious car. Really, and because he. And I've read this several times on the internet that he would like just go barreling towards a lake in his car and just freak the fuck out of everybody and then like start driving across the lake. Well, if there's an episode <laughs> where he beats somebody to death with his giant LBJ, then we'll know. <laughs> LBJ. <laughs> Uh, despite the fact that the character's name is Super President, for some reason only Norcross, chubby, pipe-smoking advisor Jerry Sales knows that the leader of the free world is also a red-white costumed superhero in his off hours. 
There's a total of 30 episodes of Super President produced. Two episodes appear in each show. Now, I did a little, like, uh, I, I basically took an episode. They're about six and a half minutes long. And I just distilled it to sort of the best of. So this is like a little two and a half minute clip. So enjoy. And I'm sure we'll talk over this, but Super President. Super President. Sounds just like the Marvel His cartoons. Was the born 60s. in a cosmic storm. Every molecule charged with might. Powers that enable him to change his molecular structure to steel. I guess I already read this, huh? To granite. <laughs> or whatever the need requires. <laughs> the great a, desire to serve his country in the cause of justice has brought James Norcross to the highest office in the land as Super President. By the way, spoiler alert, he's super white. <laughs> With the whitest hair. Check out that pet project of mine. Uh, what's that? Remember the hush-hush work on the midget transmitter? Wow. Uh, how does it work? <laughs> Swallow it, then begin talking. And it will transmit your voice directly to me. Catch. Let's just call your investigation a dry run. Dude, I do not want a dry run from LBJ. (laughs) Activate the laser beam. Laser beams. I must change my molecular structure to ozone. He had all this time. Give yourself (laughs) up, Decordo. Your evil plans are finished. What's finished is you. (laughs) The disintegrator has no effect. The flamethrower. <laughs> you can't resist fire. I must change to granite. If you just don't tell him what you're doing, you could probably kill him. <laughs> the flame gun is useless. But this won't be. He punches him. <laughs> mercy! Mercy! <laughs> A strange word to hear from your lips, Professor DeCordo. Well, Mr. President, uh, everything's wrapped up, except for one minor detail. What's that, Jerry? The midget transmitter. It's still inside me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just leave that as a mystery. (laughs) He never got that midget transmitter out of him. Yeah, so that's Super President. Can you believe that that show exists and has 30 episodes? 30 seems like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that was back in the days where they like, I don't know, they were probably doing LSD or something, like just order thirty of a man. <laughs> then they had to like, that like they already paid for him, so they're like, I guess we'll put him on TV. <laughs> Super president, man. I don't know how that. Like every time I think I found every little rabbit hole that I'm interested in on the internet, just another one presents itself. It's amazing. <laughs> Did you ever watch those old Marvel cartoons from the 60s? Uh, just the Spider-Man one. The Spider-Man one? Yeah, that was more of the upscale one because it was like a 30-minute episode of cheapness rather than like a 10-minute episode of cheapness. Because most of them were like the Fantastic Four or Captain America. I think Iron Man even had one. And they were just like 10 minutes long. Uh, Spider-Man was the same sort of cheapness, but they would reuse his web slinging. Like if you had, <laughs> if you had like a twenty-five minute cartoon, he was web slinging for like ten of those minutes, dude. <laughs> and they never drew all the spider webs on his body. Do you remember that? 
like they would draw the the hat like his uh his mask would have the webbing and none of the rest of his body had the webbing because it was just too much work for the just the red and blue yeah just the red and blue shape and then he'd be like my spider sense says I need to get away. And then he get hit by something. It's like, dude, why do you even present his spider sense? Like, That's the amazing part about 60s cartoons. It's like something happens and then they comment on the thing that's about to happen. But do he, nothing to avoid it. They either do nothing to avoid it or avoid it. And if they avoid it, it's because the villain tells them, I'm going to hit you with this shrink ray. Oh no, not the shrink ray. Maybe I could web up the blast. You know? <laughs> it's just like they have plenty of time to react to everything. It's amazing. I miss those cartoons, kind of. I guess they're all on YouTube, but. Yeah. Because nobody's buying those. So I had an interesting viewing couple, or a week or so ago. I re- went and uh, I was bored Saturday or evening. And usually I try and find some something weird on netflix Mm -hmm. um and i had my youngest daughter with me so i ended up watching uh adventures in babysitting oh yeah i watched that not too long ago a couple like two years ago maybe uh pretty racist yeah (laughs) (laughs) but let's not forget first appearance of thor (laughs) right vincent d'onofrio was the very first thor (laughs) kind of kind of Kind of. <laughs> Remind me of what the racist part is. I just assume everything from the 80s is racist now. Now, w- one of the characters, um, they get into a car, and backseat of a car, and it's being stolen. And, of course, the car thief is black. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, isn't there a part where they go into a club? And they go to like, a jazz club. and Yeah, of course. Everybody's black. There's probably some big black dudes somewhere there to be yeah. intimidating, right? That was the biggest trope in the 80s. Always have big black guys that are intimidating. Yeah, they had a, like, because they end up going to, like, a chop shop. And all the the people that are, like, running it, like, doing the paperwork and stuff like all white mafioso sort of guys yeah and then the muscle is all black yeah <sighs> the 80s you're so goddamn racist <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty impossible to avoid we were watching a movie from 1990 last night called goodfellas there's lots of racism in that one but it is upfront racism like these are characters that are clearly racist so it's like little bit easier to take you know what i mean i don't know i like my racism where it like plays into the plot rather than just be like racist tropes yeah yeah anyway i I don't really like racism but (laughs) you understand what i mean by this i hope (laughs) good fellas what a great movie though we're sitting there watching i i always love the part where he's like where like when he's sitting there and he's trying to manage all the coke deals and the helicopters flying overhead and like he's got to deal with like all the cooking and all this stuff and then he almost hits the car in front of him when he slams at the brakes like the pacing of the movie gets twice as fast all of a sudden like i always love that it's just like all of a sudden the movie just goes into hyperdrive because he's super coked out and like his adrenaline's going i just always thought that was a really cool 
God, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, that's one I watch at least every year. (laughs) I love that movie. Yeah, man. Uh, Joe Pesci is so frightening in that for being such a little man. Yeah. Being such a wee little guy, he is very intimidating in that movie. Like, when you sit there, watch him, like, turn on Ray Liotta, it's like, oh, my God. Like, he just looks like he's about to, like, put a bunch of bullets into him. And I think about that every time. And then he does to other people later. (laughs) But Ray Liotta just manages to talk his way out of it, you know? That whole, like, am I a clown here to amuse you line that he has. uh, Which I guess he improvised that line. Like, Joe Pesci heard somebody saying that in his neighborhood. And thought he was going to get shot when he heard that line. And so he used it for the movie. Which is kind of cool. Like, it's an iconic line that was just sort of rift. Nice. Yeah. I always like that stuff. So, what else? Oh, I uh, have been watching The Ranch on Netflix. Oh, yeah. What do you think? It's odd, right? It's it's not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> It, like there is some like some of the dialogue is hilarious. Yeah. Um and like it starts out like each episode seems to start out of the gate just like on fire, like everybody's on point. And then like after about minute fifteen, it's just drags and drags. And you're yeah. like you're like get through the entire episode and I'm like, Oh, is it a twenty minute episode? Yeah, I watch like three or four episodes, and I always notice by the ending, I'm sort of looking up at the clock, like, when's this going to be over? Yeah. I think part of it is just like, I I don't know, it feels weird having like the... And then the the, the laugh laugh track track is weird. I mean, is it a laugh track or is it a live studio audience? I feel like it's a studio audience, but it still feels weird for comedies nowadays. Yeah, it's just... It seems really odd, and it just kind of throws, because it's like, I mean, there's only a, like a handful of characters on the entire show. Yeah. And so to have this like big studio laughter, it just doesn't fit the show. It's really like four characters, or at least like four main characters, right? You got like Ashton Kutcher, uh, uh, Danny, Danny Masterson, Masterson yeah, um, Sam Elliott, yeah, and then, Deborah Winger. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much their show, and then I don't know if they have ancillary characters. They have like uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher's like ex girlfriend. I mean, she's pretty regular on the show. Okay, how many episodes in are you? Like four. Yeah, that's about where I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) I just haven't gotten around to watching more, but it's also because I've got like stuff that I actually want to watch. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's one of those shows, like I said, it's only like a 20-minute episode, so it's like a good filler episode, because I'm the only one that watches it in my house. Yeah. So if I wanted something to fill 20 minutes by myself, then... Yeah. No, I get it. It it fills the job. Uh, that kind of reminds me, I wanted to revisit Vice Principles, because I talked about it in the pilot, and I haven't talked about it since then. Um, I didn't catch the episode that was on Sunday... Because my wife decided she likes it, which was a total shock for me. We watched this one where, um, <laughs> so basically, okay, well, here's the thing. Here's what I want to lay out because I wasn't totally sure of what the show was in the pilot, but basically the premise of the show is that 
you have like a character from like Stand and Deliver or like any of those movies, you know, the Michelle Pfeiffer The Dangerous one. Minds. Yeah, Dangerous Minds, like any of those, right? To Sir With Love, the original. Sidney Poitier. Anyway, uh, so you have like that character is the principal that's coming into the school. And the the two vice principals, which are uh, Walter Goggins and uh, um, Danny McBride, are just awful. Just <laughs> terrible. And they both want the job, so they do an alliance to like get the job, to like get her fired. And uh, it's like it's hilarious because it's taking that trope of like the character that's like there to save everybody in the school. And then it's just like, well, what about the two assholes who are trying to stop her in the movie? <laughs> We're just going to do an 18-episode show about that, which is also interesting. I guess they filmed all 18 episodes at once. Like, uh, they decided... that, Like, basically, HBO gave them their money, and so they decided they could do this all in that many episodes, so they just filmed them all at once, so they're done. And I don't know if that's going to be over two seasons or if that's all going to be in one big chunk. But I think that's pretty cool that they filmed it all at once. But, like, the first episode is completely different from the rest of them. Like, because the first episode, I don't think they're totally comfortable with the characters. And then it's just like they hit a stride from every episode after that. And it's just amazing. Like, they soften Danny McBride a bit. Like, he's still an a-hole. But, like they soften him enough to where he's like very lovable too. And Walter Goggins is just hilarious, man. Like just the way he walks and acts, he wears these crazy suits and the way he holds his cigarettes and calls everybody bitch. And just all this, like, it's just, it's so funny. But, uh, they had this episode where basically like the school is playing this, the the other school, which of course is filled with assholes and uh, Danny McBride, this is the one thing he really wants to win, and they've lost for the, the homecoming game for like nine straight years. And so the principal fires everybody up for the game. And so Walter Goggins is pissed because everybody's fired up. So he decides he takes the drinking water for the football team because they're winning by like, I don't know, they're winning by like 14 or something at the half. And so he doses the the drinking water with like tons of acid and, like, <laughs> and Danny McBride actually wants the football team to win because he hates like losing to the school and so they get in a fight with the water and it like pours all over them and it's like it's it can be uh it goes through contact in yeah. the skin so like like they go they go under the bleachers and all of a sudden the acid kicks in and it's just hilarious dude <laughs> it is so funny man and they like see like Danny McBride sees the student he's like you're not supposed to be here like holds out his arm and like a ray like shoots into the guy mm-hmm. and like throws him into the sky and he explodes <laughs> just all this stuff it's so funny man and my wife was like watching that episode I'm like do you mind if I watch this like I'm 10 minutes in and she's like I guess and she hated Eastbound and Down just hated that show so I never even bothered to try and show it to her because when I watched the first episode I'm like oh this is like another Eastbound and Down which it kind of was but now the show has found its own footing. And she watched it and fucking laughed her ass off. So she's watched the last two episodes with me. So she's in too. I didn't think that was possible. Like huh. this show is better than Eastbound and Down, I think. Nice. A couple episodes in. So 
I really liked it, but I just wanted to get back and sort of revisit it because sometimes I'll talk about the first episode and just sort of space to talk about it again, especially if nobody else is watching it with me. <laughs> but uh, definitely check it out. Like I think it's five or six episodes in now. It's definitely worth it so far. So, Let's see what else we finished? Love on Netflix, which is really good. Like it's surprisingly good. Um, it's definitely like a very adult like sex comedy show. Um, it's really funny too. Like it's a Judd Apatow produced thing. And, uh, I can't really tell you any actors or actresses that are in it because you'll just give me a blank stare. But if you watch it, you'll recognize a few of them. Like they're just in things like they're in a lot of things like in the background, but it's really funny and it's really good and it's touching at parts. But like one thing that I like that they do is the two main characters who are supposed to be the the leads of the show like you know they're going to get together but like they really every time they start to get together something horrific happens <laughs> and it's like a lot of the time it's like reality based but it's really funny too and it just sort of it takes your expectations for a show like that and sort of like judo kicks it and does something different, which I like. Like it definitely, it always zags when you expect it to zig, which I appreciate about, about love. So check that one out too. Like it's really good. It's like a half hour an episode. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. And I did enjoy Zach mentioned it's like around his neighborhood. I was sitting there watching it and I'm like, I know that place. Like there was like seven or eight places that I totally recognized from driving up to Zach's house in echo park. So like, they filmed a ton of it in Echo Park, which I also kind of like. Because now when I'm watching shows, I keep recognizing shit over and over again. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, man. Especially anything in the hills. I, I spent a lot of time in the, the Hollywood Hills, so I recognize all that stuff. Didn't really see the signs so well. It's a little bit smoggy. Just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Didn't get a great shot of that sign like you always see in movies. But you could sort of see it. You know, you knew it was there. Yeah. You could see there was some sort of writing in there. I just assume it still says Hollywood. Yeah. I'm trying to think back when I, the one time I've been to LA, I don't, I think it was the same sort of thing where you sort of saw it, but you didn't see it because it was just nasty. It was probably worse when you went, I'm going to guess. It was I know early nineties. Yeah, I was gonna say they've gotten a lot better about pollution since like the mid two thousands. They like they have the the strictest like automobile pollution um, like just standards and stuff. So they they've actually like knocked out a lot of smog from what I understand since the nineties and before. But it's still a little bit smoggy. <laughs> it's there. still a little bit. Yeah. Nice weather, though. If that's what smog does for weather, hell, sign me up for smog. (laughs) (laughs) It felt amazing in February. (laughs) But anyway, that probably has something to do with, like, being by a desert, right? Or being in a desert, rather. Between the desert and the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. That has something to do with it, I'm sure. Ah, shit. What else is going on? Um, Just about finished with season two of arrow oh. now one episode left how's that going it's so fucking good so rewarding. are you ready for the letdown <laughs> you ready for that season three i don't know 
<laughs> Are you gonna even try? Like you're probably. Gonna I'm probably try. gonna try. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's crazy because it is like season two has been so good. Like beginning to end has been really good, and the stuff they're leading up to in the finale is like amazing. We get a, another uh, showing of Amanda Weller. Yeah. <laughs> Blowing up billionaires. Not uh, that episode. Probably. No, not that one. She's uh, going to blow up the entire Starling City. Oh. She is? Well, Argus is. Why? What'd they do? <laughs> uh, I don't really want to get into it. I mean, it's the whole story. Basically, spoilers, Deathstroke has made an army of death strokes. They're just, like, destroying the city. Oh, I see. <laughs> death strokes made an army of death strokes? No, death stroke. Slade Wilson made an army of death strokes. What did I say? You said death strokes. Didn't you say death stroke made an army of death strokes? You added an S to the first one. Okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, this sounds like Adrian's jam. He's really into death stroke. I'd imagine he'd be into death strokes as well. Yeah, an entire army of them. <laughs> I never liked Deathstroke enough to where that that would be a selling point for no, me. No, and it's he's not really one of my favorite characters, but he's so good in the show. Yeah. What about when there's a thousand of them? They're they some fuck some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> like basically, they're like, and it's really interesting because they don't really pull any punches like this one one of the death strokes like invades the mayor's office kills everybody in the office like goes up and like goes to the district attorney and just snaps her neck and nice so i mean it's they don't pull any punches with it yeah i still gotta get caught up on flash you know how many episodes i've watched watched since we last talked None. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm still on pace to to be done with season two. And, uh, You're going to be l- behind on that pace if you don't catch up soon. Yeah, yeah, I guess, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Mom. You don't nag me like that. Not anymore. Because <laughs> I'm a man. I'm a man. Okay, so you were saying that you saw the trailer for World War Z, like the second one. Yeah, and it... Which I guess came out of Comic-Con, but we're just slow to the uptake. (laughs) Yeah, it got really kind of buried, and I think for good reason, because I personally am not looking forward to this movie. Yeah, I mean, we talked about in the podcast a lot. Like, that first one would have been a good zombie movie, but it's just like the fact that they just... At every turn went away from the source material. It just sucked. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for the source material on that. It's so. really good. It's really good. Like, Max Brooks fucking wrote a really entertaining thing. All these little stories that build up to this giant narrative of the zombie war. And it's it's not there. It's not there at all in the movie. Um and I was just telling you, I was telling you a little bit ago, but uh, I, I like the idea 
Um, I think I heard Bobby Fatboy Roberts talking about this, but like a couple years ago, but he thought it would do good as like an HBO miniseries. And that way you could cover everything that's in the book. Like you could have somebody telling their story to the, whoever is recording. Yeah. You could make like an episode out of a chapter basically. Yeah. Or just, or combine a couple chapters into an episode if they're short, like some of them are just shorter, you know, but there's just, that would be a way better way to cover that book than like, make up a zombie story (laughs) and like there was even little elements in the movie that were cool but it's that felt like they could have been in the book like uh like at one part i think brad pitt like puts newspapers over his arms so if he gets bit like they bite the newspaper like i thought that was a cool clever touch but it was just like there's all these stories that they're not touching or doing anything with and it looks like they're not doing anything with them in the sequel no, I think it's just more more of the same we saw in the movie, the first movie. What a bummer! And he basically like ended the mo- like the whole thing at the end of the first one. So he basically finds the, the thing finds the cure or whatever for it, where he can like walk by zombies and not have it affect him. Right? Isn't that yeah? What it was kind of, like I was so tuned out by the end of that movie. <laughs> Understandably. Yeah, that uh, that movie sucked. No, but there was so much going on in that book. I mean, there was, I mean, we had a little porch conversation, but there was a lot of geopolitical stuff. I mean, they were talking about how North Korea basically disappeared from yeah, the map. Just disappeared underground. <laughs> yeah, and just- then like... Um, India and Pakistan launched nuclear strikes against each other, blew themselves off the map. You can tell what point we were at when that book was written. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's there's like the stuff where they, they steered all the zombies north in, in America so that they could make this big settlement in the west and have a chance to rebuild because all the the zombies were in the north. It was just like all that stuff just... Yeah, and I think, like, the most agreed, like, beyond the narrative stuff, which I thought was really the tone of the book, was through the narratives. Um, But even the story, because they were slow-moving zombies in the book. Yeah. And they were pretty meticulous about describing that, because they basically came up with an offensive that, you know, you don't have to just, like, take them all out at once. You could just have a line of shooters and take out take out a row, have another shoot like line of shooters step up, take out a row and just like switch back and forth. Yeah. And the, the weird which wouldn't work with the zombies we saw in the movie. I love the original kind of stuff it came up with too like when there wasn't any humans around like when they were flying over spots they could see the zombie holes because they would start digging for gophers and stuff. And then they would just wind up in this giant hole that the zombies made because they just kept digging, trying to look for stuff. And so they basically made these pits. Or, like, they talked about people who kind of snapped and lost it and thought they were zombies. And so they were going around and trying to eat people, but they weren't really zombies. No, and then they end up getting eaten by zombies because they're still food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or the the astronaut who fucking um, 
like who was stuck up in space the, on the, the space time. station. Yeah, and when he's given the interview, he's basically going to die from cancer from all the cosmic rays he got. That's a tough break, dude. I'd hope I'd wind up like Mr. Fantastic or something <laughs> or Super President. <laughs> he was bombarded by cosmic rays too. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was so many little touches. I mean, I one of the things that stuck out was uh somebody had bombed a bridge and like threw a bunch of like cow meat and stuff so like in the bottom of a pit so like zombies would just keep going off the bridge and die like yeah <laughs> uh did you let me think um did you ever see stand by me i like did old yeah so i i was watching that the other night <clears throat> it's crazy how much talent is in that movie and i had totally forgotten because i was watching it with the kids and um <clears throat> so the four leads you have uh uh what's his face wesley crusher <laughs> can't remember his name he's wesley crusher it doesn't will matter. wheaton yeah will wheaton will wheaton um <clears throat> and it's gif will wheaton not jiff anyway <laughs> um, you're wrong <laughs> i'm not wrong it's no GIF. you're right it's gif oh yeah you're telling will wheaton is wrong all right yeah, just pronounce it like any human being. It stands for graphical. <laughs> that's a G. <laughs> and that's that's a G like a G, not like a J. And I like it, Jeff. Let's <laughs> see, <laughs> uh, uh, so you have, you have uh, Jerry O'Connell playing the Vern, the fat <laughs> kid. Uh, you have... Um, Wasn't River Phoenix in that? Yeah, River Phoenix. That's what I was trying to think of. Who, like, when I still watch him, I'm like... It's so weird because he's basically playing like a high school trope of the cool kid because he always wears like a, he slicks back his hair and he wears jeans and he's got like a tight white shirt and he like puts a box of cigarettes in the sleeve, but he's like 12 (laughs) because they smoke during this movie, which is really crazy when you watch that now, like watching kids smoke, but, um. And then, uh, who am I forgetting? The kid from License to Drive. Corey Feldman. I almost said Haim. It's Corey Feldman. He plays a kid who gets his ear burnt and his uh, eye kind of burnt by his dad. And then the brother who dies is played by John Cusack, which I totally forgot John Cusack was in that movie. It's been a while since I... Yeah. Um, His parents, I can't remember who played his dad, but I've seen him in so much shit. Like, just one of those character actors you see everywhere. And, uh, like, one of the punks who, like, goes to chase him down, he plays Ace, who if you look in any, pretty much any Stephen King movie or book about Castle Rock, Ace is one of the bad guys. He's always, like, a bully. And so this time it's played by... uh, um, Oh, God, Mr. 24, Kiefer Sutherland, like he plays Ace. And so it's, I don't know, it's interesting. Like it's all this really young talent and you knew all of them were going to blow up. I think John Cusack was already big. I think. He was like right right in there because was that movie like 86 or 87? Yeah. So like he was already a star for sure. He was probably around his peak then, I would think. Um, and then also uh, playing Will Wheaton as an adult. Do you remember who played him as an adult? Was that Dreyfus? It? Yeah, it's Richard Dreyfus, And it's like weird Richard Dreyfus because 
he's in that in between period of the eighties. So it's like he's not super skinny nerdy like Richard Dreyfus, but he's not like super old nasally Richard Dreyfus of the nineties. He's like the in between Dreyfus that you forget about. It's <laughs> <laughs> the in between Dreyfus. But it, it was interesting. What what do you what do you think are like the best Stephen King movies? I'm I'm curious. I got so in some order I gotta put Shawshank Redemption. I put it at number one. Yeah. yeah. Like not even a question. And then I'm not sure if I go, cause I haven't seen it for a little while. I got to go either misery or stand by me. Number two, like I, the most memorable character is a misery for sure. Like Annie Wilkes. I've, I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched that one beginning to end misery. Yeah. Oh, I was having a, an interesting Facebook conversation about that movie. Cause somebody was saying that they, I hadn't actually, that was one of the books I didn't read. I read a lot of Stephen King books. And uh, they were telling me that there's this part where he, like, James Conn gets hobbled. And uh, so they, like, they put a board between his, his ankles and they, like, hit one of his ankles with the fucking, with, like, a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. And you just see his ankle go, woo, like, kind of <laughs> off to one side. And, like, that shit haunts me. Like, I saw that as a kid. I'll never forget that image. Like, it is burnt into my memory. Yeah, I've I've seen that. Like, I've seen a lot of the movie, but I, I've never sat down and watched it beginning to end. It's pretty good. But uh, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were saying in the book it's an axe. Like, she cuts his foot off. And that she liked the way they did it in the book better. But I was like, you know, I got to say, like, I haven't read the book but I think it's a better choice with the sledgehammer because you see like you see limbs chopped off in movies all the time and rarely does it leave a mark on me, I guess, because I watch a lot of horror movies. But I've never seen somebody's ankle fucking flop over like that in a movie before. And like that shit still haunts me. So I think they made the right choice going to the sledgehammer. But if there's anybody out there who's read the book and watched the movie, like hit us up on Facebook on the Not Safe for Network page and let us know which you prefer. I'm just curious. I'm curious if anybody prefers the axe, like other than this one person. But there's got to be somebody else out there. I feel like the seeing the sledgehammer was just like I've seen that, and that is disturbing. <laughs> it's really fucking disturbing, dude. It was so disturbing that when. Uh, Oh, who was it that played Annie Wilkes? Um, uh, oh, my God. Kat, Kathy, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, yeah. When Kathy Bates won the Oscar, she apologized for James Conn's ankle. <laughs> when you have to make that apology for something you did in a movie. like At the Academy Awards. While you're accepting your Academy Award. That's some pretty like traumatizing <laughs> shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh but yeah, I'd probably put those like top three Stephen King. And then I'm trying to think of what like two more to round out the top five. Maybe Needful Things. That's got to be up it there. It was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoy that movie. That's got to be up there. I can always watch The Running Man. <laughs> the Running Man is all right. I don't think it enters my top five. Part of it is because they changed it they so changed much from a lot. the book. Like completely. They just completely yeah. changed it from the book. Which is fine, but Apt Pupil really disturbed me, that book. And so I had no desire to see it as a movie. But I heard that they're pretty pretty accurate in that one. Maybe maybe The Mist hits it. The Mist is like super corny, but the end just fucking haunts me. 
Yeah, I did have you see a hard the movie? Time. Yeah, I've seen the, I've read the book and seen the Do movie. Do you remember how the book ends? It I remember us ends. having a conversation about that. Like he's out driving in the mist with his family, and he turns on a radio, and they hear like a fraction of a radio signal coming from I don't know Newport or something, and Portland so, or Newport or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and so they decide to drive towards there because in that direction there's hope, and it just ends. There's no real. Like, you get to invent the ending in your head. The movie is fucking traumatizing, dude. <laughs> the movie is like he, I guess, spoiler, uh, three, two, one, shoots his entire family and then doesn't have enough, like, bullets to kill himself. And then the fucking military comes through and they're handling it. <laughs> and it's just like, and then j- he just wails. <laughs> Ugh. That was haunting. But it is pretty corny, and I never want to rewatch it, so it's probably not in my top five. What'd you think of the miniseries The Stand? I liked it in high school, but I haven't watched it since high school. I just assume it's probably bad. Oh, you know what it is? It's it. It's got to be in my top five. It was Even being good. a TV movie, it's fucking great. So what do you think about the the remake coming out? Um. So I know I was on the podcast a couple years ago talking about how they had to make it. And then I like looked it up and realized that they were in the process of making it. So that's how long a movie takes. Well, I've seen like, like I think even dubs or uh, Matt Campbell's like put up like stills from that. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Pennywise. Yeah. It's, it was all like, it went viral for sure. Um, I just wanted to say like my thoughts on it have changed a bit. Um, like when I was talking about it before, I was like, you know, I kept reading like they wanted to make it two movies. And uh, I was like, how, like, you know, like it's a really big book. Like, why don't you make it two movies? And they were adamant it was going to be one movie. And then they finally split it into two. And I always heard Stephen King was mad about the stuff that wasn't like from the book and the, and the movie. But then like I read the book which I had never read it like about a couple years ago. And in the book, it's messed up, dude. Like this, most of it is in the mini series already. There's like a haunted house that didn't make it. So I could see that. But the only other thing I can tell that they really cut from it was like this 12 year old girl having sex with like a bunch of 12 year old boys. And I'm like, that's messed up. I don't want to see that in a movie. No. So I don't know. I feel like tortured by that because if they're if they're including all the, I don't think they will, but I don't know about that. But I I do think the mini series when I rewatched it <clears throat> after I read the book, I feel like it's pretty faithful and it still works. So I mean Pennywise looks kind of creepy in that photo, but it's really easy to dress in clown makeup and look yeah, it's, creepy. It doesn't take much more. for a clown to be creepy. Yeah, I need to see more. But, you know, I I'll probably go to see it. Uh so my daughter's over here crawling on the floor for some reason, uh which is why I'm somewhat distracted. <laughs> so uh we should call it good. You got anything else you want to bring up? Just Randall Flag. Randall Fleck is he in it I don't think he is no he's in uh, Needful Things not Needful Things no he is is he in that kinda because I I know he's the devil the the character in uh, The Stand yeah and the devil character 
is an RF. I don't remember his name, but so it's basically who is also Randall Flagg, and he's in the Gunslinger. He's in like ten of Stephen King's books. Any of them where the villain has an RF initials, it's actually Randall Flagg or any of these different people. Uh, he's in Eye of the Dragon, which is a super underrated book, which you should check out. Uh, it's like a fantasy book that Stephen King wrote. But I got to go because I see my daughter's legs and she's trying to hide and she thinks she's getting away with this right now. <laughs> so I got to lay down the law. So take it easy. I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A Not Safe for Network podcast. Take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege mm-hmm. of experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache, because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not right, and the characters pick up on it right away and they lock him away. (laughs) You know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache, and when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, I'd yeah, be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have... Given that punching bag salmonella. Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.